Well, go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 8. John, chapter 8, for our thoughts. Uh, farmer and I'll go ahead and sit down for a second. I want y'all, this might be a long story. Amen. Y'all get mad at me. I had you up here for 30 minutes. Uh, there was a farmer and he just finished his sign, puppies for sale, and he nailed the sign to his post there at the fence. And as he drove the last nail in, here come a little boy in bib overalls, probably about six years old. And he says, Mr. What's your sign say? And the farmer said, puppies for sale. He goes, I want to buy one of them puppies. The farmer said, well, son, these puppies come from good stock, and uh, they're going to be very expensive. You probably can't afford a puppy. He says, well, and he dug into his overalls in his pocket and pulled up. He goes, I got 39 cents. Surely you'll at least let me see the puppies for that, won't you? The farmer said, son, yes, I'll let you see the puppies. So he goes, Dolly, come here, girl. And out of the doghouse, she come running and four little balls of fur right behind her. And the little boy's looking and he gets this smile on his face. And he looks, he goes, there's another puppy. The farmer said, yeah, yeah, there is another one, but son, that one's not going to be worth a thing. It's, a, it's the run of the bunch. It's got a gimpy leg. Uh, son, you don't want that dog. He goes, well, sure I do. That's the very dog I want. And he says, son, don't you understand that dog will never be able to play with you like these other puppies. Won't be able to do it. About that time, the little boy rolled up his overall leg, and he looked, and he saw two pieces of steel on each side and special shoe. And he says, Mister, that dog needs someone that understands. I can't run good either. I told you that story to say this. Aren't you thankful that we serve a sympathetic Savior? Thank God that even though we're sinners, we are undone before His eyes, we are enmity with him, he still loves us and he still sympathizes. You see, he understands, one, what we're made of. He understands what we face day to day. Some would say, well, but how does he really know about being a human? Huh, he was human. For 33 years he lived as a human on this earth, so he's able to sympathize with our plot. So, 
I'm thankful for a sympathetic Savior. As I was thinking about this story, I come to this passage because of all of the passages, and there's many in the Word of God where the Lord showed love and compassion. Out of all of them, this one would have been the toughest. You see, it talks about a woman that was taken in adultery in the very act. Understand, her hand was in the cookie jar. There was no denying. But she came across a Savior that understood. He could have condemned her, but instead he pardoned her. What a Savior. Amen. Now, if you will, stand with me. Beginning in chapter 8, verse 1. And Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. Oh, I envy them, folks. But you know what? One of these days we're going to get to sit at his feet, and he's going to teach us during his millennial reign. Verse 3. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and rode on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time you've given us to assemble in your house with your people. Break the bread of life and share your word. I thank you for the privilege. And I just ask, Father, that you bless the message and you speak to hearts this morning. Lord, your word tells us that your word never returns void. It always reaches its intended purposes. And dear God, if there's one here today that needs to come for whatever reason, but especially for salvation. Let this be the day. May the Holy Spirit have his way 
and convict and convince them of that need here today. Father, we thank you for this passage. We thank you, Lord, that you love us. Thank you, Lord, that you know us better than we know ourselves. I just ask, Lord, that you'll just open our minds and our hearts to this passage, Lord. And Lord, may we be mindful that there's not one sin any worse than any other. But your blood is sufficient to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and sin. So Lord, speak to hearts. Use me for your glory and forgive me of my sins. Be of the sick and the afflicted, those it's our duty to pray for. Those that's lost loved ones, Father, just comfort them in only a way you can. For it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Be seated, please. First of all, I want to say that, of course, Jesus is in the temple. Jesus didn't miss church. When the doors were open, he was there. We shouldn't miss church unless we're sick. Or there's a death in the family. Or there's things like that. Even if there is a death. Let me back up. You know, I've preached for a long time. And I'm still amazed, preacher, that people will use any old excuse. Can I say this? If you're a believer, if someone dies in your family that was a believer, or even wasn't a believer. But because you're a believer, surely you would agree with me that church would be where you ought to be. Amen? Amen. You shouldn't use it as an excuse not to go. I better stop before I even get started. Anyways, the Bible says in the scribes and Pharisees, that self-righteous bunch, again thought, ah, we're going to get Jesus this time. And they bring this woman caught in the very act of adultery before him. Now, the Bible doesn't say if this was the first time or if this was one of many times. Here's the deal. Be sure your sin will find you out. Understand this morning that whether it's the first time or dozens of times, One day, the bill for your sin is going to come due. Amen. So many people out there think they're getting by. And maybe as far as the world and others in her little town, they had no idea she was an adulteress. But there was one that knew all along. And he was the very one. And the only one that one could pardon her or condemn her. Notice what it says. And brought unto him a woman taken adultery. And when they had set her in the midst. And and reading that they caught her in the very act. Let's me know that she wasn't probably dressed when they drug her into the temple. So understand the shame. 
she must have felt. But I don't know if you don't see it, but I see this. I have one question. The Bible does say, the law of Moses does say, anyone taken in adultery were to be stoned to death. But here's my question. Where was the fellow she was committing adultery with? They definitely had her. But where was he? Uh, he was just as guilty. And according to the law, they were both to be condemned and stoned. But no, here she is. And notice what it says. And they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Let me just say, when it comes to sin, we're all sinners. And there's not one sin worse than any other. Listen, you can be committing adultery, and in the eyes of God, there's no difference between that and if you take a pen that doesn't belong to you. It's still sin. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible also says that the wages of sin's death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So understand, sin is sin to God. Now, these Pharisees, these self-righteous legalists of that day, they thought they were going to get one on Jesus. So they bring her to the Lord, not because they truly cared for her soul, not because they were concerned for her whatsoever. They were just going to use her to accuse Christ. You see, these religious elitists of the day not only were self-righteous. And by the way, anybody ever been there? We ever looked at someone and thought, I'm glad I'm not like that person. Lord, I'm thankful. I'm better than he or she is. I would never do that. How about, has anybody ever been condemning? That's what they were doing. They were self-righteous. They couldn't get the log out of their own eye. But they were also condemning. How many of us have ever been condemning? We see somebody and we condemn them. Can I tell you something? You and I don't have a right to condemn anybody. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can condemn and judge. You and I can't do it. Now, don't get me wrong. You see a lot of things out there. And you want to say something. But sometimes it's a whole lot better if we just keep our mouth shut. We won't have as much to answer for. But that was them. They just was using, they could care less about this woman. So, Lord, what say you, Master? Notice what Jesus did. I love this. Now, Moses and the law commanded us that 
such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? Do you see the pretty sad? And they said, tempting him, that he might, that they might have to accuse him. You see, they thought they were smart. But beloved, there's nobody smarter than God Himself. You see, they thought, well, if Jesus condemns her, then he can no longer be called a friend of sinners. And if he doesn't condemn her and doesn't punish her, then he's going against the very law that God commanded. So they thought they had him. But Jesus, you can't trick him. Notice what it says. And they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Uh, You know what Jesus did? He ignored them. Don't you wish we could learn to ignore? We'd be better off if we learned to ignore. But here's the thing. The Bible says that he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. For 2,000 years, theologians have been trying to answer what did he write on the ground. 2,000 years. I am going to give you a real super-duper theological answer. I don't know. No one knows. Don't know. That's right, sister. It don't matter. The point is Jesus is ignoring them. Oh, they just kept on and on and on. What say you? Moses said, take up stones and stone her to death. What do you say there, Jesus? And Jesus kept ignoring just writing on the ground. There's speculations to what he might have wrote. Some say... He was writing down the Ten Commandments. After all, he was the one that wrote them to begin with. Possible. I've heard some say no. He was writing down the names of those Pharisees and Sadducees. Others have said he was writing down their girlfriend's name. And then I've also heard others preach. What he wrote down was paid in full, forgiven. We don't know. But we do know that 
Jesus offered sympathy toward this woman. Yes, according to the law, she should have been condemned and killed. And that's what they were crying for. No compassion. You see, it's amazing to me. Because we're just like the Pharisees at times. You see, we become self-righteous and we see the sin of others. Uh, Y'all get this. We see the sin of others, but we don't see our own sin. Y'all ever been guilty of that? Yeah, we all have. Notice what it says. And so when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. They just kept on and on. What say you, master? Well, he had heard enough. Ye who are without sin, you cast the first stone. And by the way, if you'll check Strong's, check uh, Warby's commentary, Jesus was talking to them. He was saying this when he said, you that are without sin. You cast the first stone. He was saying, you who haven't done the same thing, you cast the first stone. And what's amazing to me, the Bible says from the eldest to the least, one by one, all you could hear, clump, 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 and the shuffling of feet. You see, we don't mind pointing fingers. In fact, we, a lot of times, that just lights our shucks to point fingers at people. See, if I'm pointing my finger at you, Brother Kelly, guess what? I'm not having three point back at me. I'm pointing at you. I'm getting everybody off of me and putting you in the spotlight. But here's the deal. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us. Again, we look at this poor woman and I couldn't even fathom how she must have felt. You see, all of her sin is laid open before those in the temple, before the Pharisees, and before the Lord Jesus Christ. Could you imagine? Let me say something. 
One of these days, as I said earlier, be sure your sin will find you out. One of these days, our sins that we think are hidden are going to come to light. May not be today. May not be tomorrow. But mark it down, it will come to light. But I got one even better than that. One of these days, your profession is going to come to light. You say, no. You read Matthew chapter 7. 21 through 23. If you are truly saved, it's going to come to light. If you made a false profession, it's going to come to light. Be sure. Be sure. Now, (laughs) dropped the stones and left. I think I've told the church this before. I had an old-fashioned, old-timey preacher as my mentor. Third grade education. Couldn't read when God called him to preach. Sister Dorothy, his mom, said, Leroy, how are you going to preach? You can't read. He goes, the Lord has called me. He'll make a way. Well, every evening after he got home from work, his wife Sister Sue would sit down and she would read the Bible to him. And then when it came time for the sermon, she would draw certain pictures that represented certain words. Tell me God can't use someone that he calls. We, me and Lori and the kids, we were, I was preaching somewhere and They didn't have evening services that night. So we went back to our home church. And we got there. And you could just feel, "Mm, something's not right. There's lots of turmoil. And me and Lori look at each other. What's going on? And about that time, Brother Hill came through the front door and he had several rocks. We're going, hmm, this should be good. (laughs) He comes through the door and he goes, I'll just use her first name, I won't use her last. Marsha, get up here. Marsha comes forward, she's in tears. And then he looked at her mother-in-law and her sister-in-law and he says come here everybody's just kind of he goes get up here I said get up here they got up and they came forward give me your hand and I thought oh my goodness he's going to strike her with a rock No, he grabbed her hand and he put a rock in her hand. He grabbed the daughter-in-law's hand, put a rock in it. And he said, now, go ahead, hit her between the eyes. Throw it. Throw the rock 
or shut up and forgive and forget about it. Needless to say, needless to say, they dropped those rocks. Kind of makes me think of these guys. They dropped those rocks. Guess what they did? They hugged one another and it was dropped. And then I thought, well, surely, you know, what can he do to top that? He goes, all of you, follow me outside. I'm going, oh, this is going to be good. Me and Lori's looking at each other going, maybe we should have found another church to go to tonight. He said, all of you, come outside. We all stand up. We all assembled outside. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. Come gather around the sign. Pleasant Hill Missionary Baptist Church. I want all of you around the sign. We all make a circle around the church, the sign, the church sign. And he goes, all right. And he started pointing. At all of us. If you're not going to conduct yourself like a child of God, if you're not going to conduct yourself like a member of Pleasant Hill Missionary Baptist Church, y'all tear this sign down. We just. I don't see nobody moving. Tear it down. He goes. Go get back in the house of God. Sit down and shut up. I'm fixing to preach. And boy, did he. He preached probably 10 minutes. And he gave an altar call, an invitation. There wasn't a dry eye. And there wasn't one person left in the pews. Everybody was up at the altar Everybody was making things right with God and each other. And after that, we probably, the church probably ran about 60, maybe, 65. After that, it ballooned into 150, 160. We had to build and add on because the church had revival. Revival is for the believer. It's about getting right with God and one another. I remember I called him one time. Wasn't too long after that. And I said, boy, preacher, you scared me to death. I go, I've never seen nothing like that. He goes, well, he goes, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. He goes, that poor Marcia, yeah, everybody knows she's got issues. You know, instead of kicking them while they're down, we're supposed to lift them up. And he goes, I'd had enough of it. He goes, I'll be honest. I had to pray on the way home that night. Lord, forgive me. I think I did a little of this in my flesh, but he goes, Hadn't God blessed? He goes, you watch the difference. And sure enough, the church started to grow. They started having people say, people joining the church. 
And here's my point. Mother-in-law and daughter-in-law was willing to condemn her for her issues. Understand, this passage teaches us that we don't have the authority to judge or condemn anyone. Only one that can do that is Jesus. Amen? Now, they leave, and look who's left. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience, guilt, went out one by one. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Now, understand. They're gone. It's just this woman and Jesus. That's what it always comes down to. Me and Jesus. You and Jesus. And my question is, you're going to have that opportunity in life. It's going to be you and him. What have you done with that opportunity? Have you given him his due as Lord and recognized him as Savior and received him to your heart? Or have you said, "Ah, I'll put it off. Understand, one day, it's going to be you and Jesus. You're either going to be with him in heaven, or you're going to be in hell without him. But it's always you and Jesus. Secondly, this is only the third time Jesus has ever used woman. Twice, he used it concerning his mother Mary, his earthly mother. And this instance, this woman taken in adultery. Now some would tell you, oh boy, he cut her down by calling her a woman. He was so disrespectful. No, 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 no. Use Strong's and go back and you'll find when he called her woman, he was saying lady. When we think of a lady, we think of someone upstanding. You say, but she was an adulteress. But no, you see, Jesus sees us as potential. He doesn't see us the way the world sees us. That's a dirty, rotten sinner. They're worthless. No, in the eyes of Jesus... He can make us new. And he can make us to become somebody in Christ. That's the Savior. So he says, woman, where's your accusers? And she goes, there's none. Notice what she says. Lord, 
Look at that. She said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now, first of all, she says, Lord. You see, that very moment she called him Lord, it was an act of faith and it was her coming to the saving knowledge of Christ right then and right there. Kind of simple, isn't it? Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Thou shalt believe in thine heart that God's raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. And he says, Neither do I condemn thee. You see, all of us stand before God, lost and condemned. We deserve the death penalty, the penalty for our sins. The Bible says, lust, when it is conceived, it becomes sin. And sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. So, there is a penalty for our sin. And we stand condemned before God. But the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world for one reason and one reason only. That was to shed His blood to atone for our sins and provide redemption for all that will come to Him in simple childlike faith. It's simple. So simple even a child can understand. Do you believe He's the Lord? you believe he died for your sins? He was buried, and on the third day, he came out of the tomb. You believe that in your heart? You're saved. You're saved. He says, neither condemn I you. He saw something in this woman. But notice what he said. Now go and sin no more. You say, well, preacher, I thought you said it's impossible to be perfect. He's not talking about her never sinning again. Listen, while you and I, even though we're saved, we've been washed and cleansed by the blood of Christ, and we are in Christ, we are going to spend eternity with him. While we are still here on earth, guess what? We're still in this flesh, and we still sin. And if anybody tells you, oh, since I've been saved, I've never sinned, sit down and let me preach to you a little while. Hooey fooey is right. I had an uncle, Pentecostal, apostolic. He's one of them really funky Pentecostals. Four square. Uh, he believed. Nope, since I've sinned, I've, since I've been saved, I've never sinned again at all. And I just, uncle. God just called you a liar in his word. If God calls you a liar, you're a liar. Oh no, can't sin. You can't sin? Now, I don't want to sin. I shouldn't have a desire to sin. But believe me, I can sin. If I give in 
to this flesh. If I don't allow the power and the Holy Spirit to guide me. What he's telling this woman that just got saved, he's given her new life. Her slate is marked clean. She's saved. What he's telling her when he says, go and sin no more, is simply this. Walk in a way that pleases Christ. Live your life after the pattern of your Savior. Your desire should be to please Him. And by the way, I'll make it simple for you. That's called sanctification. Desiring to live a life that pleases the Lord. That's what he's saying. He wouldn't say, oh, you'll never sin again. Not this side of eternity. One day, that'll be a different story. Sin longer will no longer have its reign in the flesh. This woman met a sympathetic Savior. He could have condemned her, but he didn't. He had the authority to kill her, but he didn't. Why? Because he loved her. And he knows something about being a human. I don't know if you're dealing with some physical sin in your life. I don't know if you're dealing with some spiritual sin like self-righteousness, condemnation. I don't know. But the Lord does. I do know this. If you're willing to come to the altar and ask the Lord to forgive you and repent of that sin, I assure you, I can guarantee by the authority of God's word, if you'll repent, he'll never turn you away. It's up to you. So what do you need this morning? Cleansing? That's what the blood of Jesus does. Forgiveness? That's what the blood of Jesus does. Restoration, that's what the blood of Jesus does. Salvation, that's what the blood of Jesus does.